0: Porn Hub. Porn Hub. The
1: Pornhub Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to the Pornhub Podcast. Today's episode features Dr. Lori, a clinical psychologist who specializes in sex therapy. You might be asking what is sex therapy, but you are about to find out because I asked that very question. In addition to seeing clients uh, all day, every day out of her Montreal office, Dr. Lori hosts hosts a nightly syndicated radio show called Passions, as well as running the Pornhub Sexual Wellness Center, which is a site you can go to for all information regarding sex. This is all real information from real experts um, that you can get. Um, I had so, so, so many questions for her, important ones, non-important ones, personal ones, listener ones. Uh, I've been hearing a lot about erectile dysfunction in young people, especially lately. I wanted to ask about that. Is it caused by porn? How do we keep it at bay? Um, I asked about where fetishes come from. Are we inherently into the things we are into sexually Are we born a dom or a sub? Um, How do we keep sexual attraction alive in a long-term relationship? I had a lot of questions. So I hope you enjoy. So Dr. Lori. Yes. Thank you for being here. Such a pleasure. Um, I guess I want to
0: start out by asking, what is a sex therapist? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. (laughs) So the thing is, I'm a clinical psychologist and I have a specialty in in sex therapy. So it was like a postgraduate training that I did. And what it is, is basically being able to help people, individuals and couples who have sexual issues. So, and the problems range from anywhere from premature ejaculation to marital issues that I've also dealt with, the difference in desire, uh, erectile dysfunction, fetishes, people who are um, struggling with their orientation, uh, couples who want to open up their marriages. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I pretty much see all of it. But What it is 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 to be able to talk to a professional who's very open and who's knowledgeable about every aspect of human sexuality. So it it provides a space, like my office, for example, provides a space where people can talk about it safely without being judged. Do you see a lot of uh, sex workers? I see some sex workers, but not not too much. Actually, you know, interestingly, I had a sex worker who came in to see me because she wanted help to help her customers okay her clients and she wanted to have like more like how do i help you know i have a cu- a client and he suffers from anxiety and and uh, that makes sense because yeah. i think a lot of people do go to sex workers
1: for help you yeah, know in a with, way, yes. um you exactly. know any sexual issue and and i
0: think sometimes there is a stigma against therapy for men yeah, so I would less so that. less so today, I mm-hmm. think, than than there was. But I think in general, men have a harder time asking for help. And part of that is because they they're not raised to like women are to talk to their girlfriends and totally. to, to talk out their issues. So many times like men will come see me who have suffered for years thinking they're not normal, when in fact they actually are. Right. But be and not like not having any place to kind of air that out, they're not going to talk to their buddies. Hey, you know, I come mm-hmm. too fast. Like, hey, what should I do? You know, they're when they hear their buddies talk, it's all about I had like the best sex of my life last night, or it lasted for hours, or whatever it is. So they don't. There's no space for that. Yeah, know? it's
1: true. Men kind of aren't like really afforded the luxury of being like vulnerable like that among their you know boys. It's right? not
0: strong, right? You know, or asking for help is a show of weakness. Is the belief, of course, the opposite is quite true. It's a show of strength if you can admit to yourself that, hey, you know what, I have an issue and I want to get it fixed, I want to figure it out, right?
1: And the reason I asked whether you see sex workers is because I just thought I see a therapist, I love therapy, love, love, love my therapist, (laughs) she's the greatest. Um, but you know, in looking for a therapist, it was. A real—I I don't want to say like a challenge, but one thing that was on the forefront of my mind was I didn't want to see someone who was um, not sex positive,
0: absolutely, and yeah. specifically yeah.
1: not sex worker positive, right? right? And which is kind of you know. So every time I talk to someone, like the first thing I said was, "Just so you know, I'm in porn. If that's
0: even going to be something, issue, right. yeah." Like, I think I don't that's wanna... it's smart, and and actually, I tell my I tell clients too if you're looking for a therapist or people who are looking, um, is to ask, are you LGBTQ positive? Are mm-hmm. you poly positive? Are you like, because you don't know who you're going to see if they have their own preconceived like beliefs or their own belief system, right. or they come from a religious background or something, or they have very little knowledge right, in that area, they're not going to be that non-judgmental or or a harder time understanding and i don't want to spend my hour you you want to educate them educating them exactly i want to talk about my parents exactly (laughs) yeah you don't want to educate that's i totally get it
1: yeah Yeah. um would you say most of your
0: is it clients or patients clients patients um
1: are most of your clients men or women
0: or couples? I would say half and half. Uh, I would say I see a lot of, uh, of couples. Mm-hmm. I do see a lot of couples struggling. Uh, not always sexual, but what's so interesting is often, I, because I'm known in the field of sexuality, people come to me with as the 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 major issue, uh, a sex issue. But oftentimes that sex issue is a symptom mm-hmm. of something else happening in their lives.
1: Is it true what they say that once the sex starts going downhill, like that's an implication that the relationship is ending? No,
0: absolutely not true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we definitely, I mean, I was raised to think that for sure. No. And then I also feel like I've never been in a relationship where the
0: sex wasn't shit by the end. So is that... Yeah, but there's other things. It's not the sex itself. Mm -hmm. If you're having less and less sex, there may be something going on in your relationship, but not always because you have to understand that couples in long-term relationships will have a lot of ebbs and flows. Like when you have a baby, after when you breastfeed, and then you have little kids, and then you're tired, and then you're... Like there's so many life events that play into our libidos that play into our stress level and fatigue level, that you can't always maintain that same level of desire or or sexual activity. It's unrealistic to think that it's going to be the same as it was in the first six months of a relationship.
1: Right. Well, that's kind of what I've always been wondering, but maybe I'm wondering the wrong thing. But, like, I've always, because I've never ended a relationship with... On good terms, sex, sex-wise, mm-hmm. like I've always wondered, like, oh, you know, I don't think, like, after three years, like, sex just, like, in a, in a relation, in a long committed relationship, just kind of dwindles, and it's not meant to be
0: forever. But maybe depends how much work you put into it. Like, what's the it's work? Not well. The, the The work is the not get lazy. That's the work. The okay. work is how about putting your couple in the forefront? How about prioritizing? Intimate time. So oftentimes couples get into these routines and they're like, they live together, whatever, and they're like, oh, you know, I'm, t- I'm so tired. How about tomorrow? And then tomorrow comes, oh, let's do it tomorrow. And there's too many tomorrows. Mm-hmm. And then you turn around and say, wow, there's been like a hundred tomorrows and mm-hmm. we haven't done it. So the effort is to actually take the time to be together, take the time to have a date night. Like that all takes planning. So if you just wait... It's like if you know you're going to go out Saturday night, you're planning, you know, you're going to prepare yourself to be going out Saturday night. But if you get to Saturday night and you haven't made any plans, and then you look at your partner and you say, So should we go out? And you're like, Oh, I'm already in my sweatpants. Right. Like, I don't really want to go, you know? So you don't do it. So make it a priority. Exactly. But what
1: about in the case that, I mean, most of the relationships, by the time we break up, I'm not even sexually attracted to my partner anymore. But
0: other things have led you to that point. It's not Ah, like what leads you to not be attracted to your partner, right, Right. are all the things that have driven you crazy and that you can't stand about your partner. Why would you be sexual do you know what I mean? Like, so you're building all that resentment. Right. You're not going to be sexual in that process of building resentment. So it's not
1: that time equals diminishing That's attraction. That's right. It means it, it, what it
0: is, is actually the problems are leading to yes, exactly. it's everything else. So okay. you see how I, that becomes the symptom. So when I see a couple and they stopped having sex, mm-hmm. I look for, okay, what's been going on in mm-hmm. this relationship? What's the dynamic of that relationship? Oftentimes I'll hear from like women who will, when they start talking about their frustrations, they'll say things like, I'm I'm so tired of picking up after him. I'm so tired of nagging him and blah, blah, blah. I feel like I have a third kid in the house. And then I'm like, oh, you know that it's quite difficult for you to have sex with someone you perceive as your child, right? right? So no wonder, like, your desire, your attraction, your desire, all of that has diminished over time. But we need to address the real issue here. Do you see a lot
1: of people, what you just said kind of reminded me... um, like, I don't even know if this is an official term, but I hear a lot about the Madonna whore complex, Mm -hmm. like where a man, and correct me if I'm wrong, my Mm -hmm. understanding is that this is when a man starts to see his partner as a
0: mother figure. Well, the Madonna whore complex is uh, complex. (laughs) Uh, It's not uh, across the board. So I do see it occasionally. So where I'll see a couple that early in their relationship, everything was really good. And when that the girlfriend became the wife or then the mother of the children, it's not that he sees her as his mother. Okay. He sees her as, uh, once once she's a mother, she's elevated. She's somebody's mother. And so it's like, ooh, I can't do this to the mother of my child. I can't have my the mother of my child give me a blowjob. Like, it just, you know, that's for the sexual partner not the so that they kind of have this this split in their brain as to the one you have sex with is the one that you you know you have fun with and whatever but once she becomes a mother it's like whoa like she's almost like untouchable because he reveres her does that come from a place of thinking that sex is like somehow dirty? Not not really, but sometimes yes. Sometimes it comes from that, you know, sex is just about, like, yeah, pleasure and it's dirty. And, and when you're having casual sex, it's just about the sex. And then when it becomes much more serious, now it's like, oh, I don't want to dirty her. Right. You know, there's like this thinking of if I have dirty, like sex how I want to, like yeah. the way we used to, whatever. I'm going to dirty her. And, it's like
1: spitting on your mom Yeah, or something, something yeah. like that.
0: So some, some people have this complex, complex. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like it's so common, but it's there. Like I do deal with that.
1: What would you say is the most
0: common issue that people come to you with? So I would say um, desire uh, discrepancies in, in couples. Meaning? I would say, meaning that one wants it more than the other. And oh. it's not always the man who wants it more. Sometimes it's the woman. Yeah, I've I've actually been on both ends of that spectrum. Mm, I mean, but things can change throughout, you know, again, the lifespan of a couple, right? But um, what I find is interesting, what I do a lot of is educating women and men about how sexual desire works for women in long-term relationships. Because there's a quite a misunderstanding about how our desire, and our libido works.
1: And how does it work?
0: So here's the thing. In the beginning of all relationships, there's a, a lust phase. There's a there's something that's going on in your, there's brain chemi- chemicals that the are oxytocin. released. oxytocin. It's not the oxytocin. Oh. Other things that are more, uh, that drive dopamine? you into, yeah, more dopamine um, activated kind of things that make you feel almost addicted to the partner, the sex, you know, that the whole beginning part. That goes away after a certain amount of time. The studies show somewhere around the 18-month mark or something. So then you fall into what's more of a long-term relationship. And this
1: is both men and women?
0: Not always. That's the interesting thing is that for men, generally, their libido stays more or less steady throughout their lifespan, except little ups and downs, but more or less. Whereas women, they lose the that horniness. They lose the spontaneous desire for sex. Not all women, but I would say about 75% of women in long-term relationships. So it doesn't mean that they're not interested in sex. Like they do think about sex and they can picture themselves having sex with their partners and they have all of that. Um, so they have an interest, but they're not hungry for the sex. So they're. it's not driven by just I'm horny and therefore I would love to have sex with you, right? right? So... This is where it becomes difficult because men have that hunger and they don't understand how their partners aren't hungry. Right. Right? It's like, "But I'm hungry, like I thought everybody was." You know, "No, that's not how it works." It must feel like rejection. Well, it it can feel like rejection. It can feel like how come you don't desire me like I desire you
1: mm-hmm. or but like, like you used to. It's not about
0: that. Yeah, but it, it's not about that. If we understand that women are so they lose let's say their spontaneous desire, but they're they still have desire. It's just that now it's responsive. In other words, before the um before desire comes the arousal. Whereas for men, desire comes first, then the arousal.
1: So, whoa, 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 wait. Yeah, I, I, I need know. to
0: unpack that. So hold on.
1: The arousal comes first, then the then desire. Then the desire.
0: So arousal, is, arousal meaning stimulation, so right? That's so the physical
1: aspect, right?
0: So if if let's say I'm not I'm not so in the mood, right? Like I'm I'm like I'm neutral. Let's mm-hmm. say I'm just in the neutral zone, and I say, you know what, I'm going to have sex with my partner tonight because I want to feel close and what have you. I still don't have like a hunger hunger for my partner, mm-hmm. but then my partner starts to touch me and stimulate me and 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 you know suck on the nipples, give me a little oral sex, whatever it is. Now, my body's responding. My brain goes into gear saying, keep going, keep going. Like and now, now my have desire, desire. Now your desire is there. So you're responding to the touch. So the desire is there and then sex is great. Whereas a man gets a boner... And that's when he, yeah, exactly. The boner tells him like it's time to, right. to go. But we, like it would be equivalent to, um, like if a guy has desire, he can have a bone, like an erection anywhere. Like right. It, it just it, it would just happen, right? He right. sees you walking out of the shower naked. He's going to have an erection. It's gonna it's going to spark his um, his arousal. Right. Women though. The equivalent would be their clitoris would be throbbing. Right. right. They don't have that just right. simply by their partner walking no. out naked. I mean they could sometimes yeah. but it's not a usual thing, right? Yeah. So in order for that to start throbbing and to start um wa- you know for them wanting they would have to to be aroused to to, to be stimulated to We need arousal. our engines revved. Exactly. <laughs> so I always say things like and I did a TED talk on this but where, uh, like, think of cars, right? Men are in drive. So, in a, when a a car is in drive, all you need to do is take the foot off the brake; it it goes by itself. Yes. You don't have to press on the gas. Women are in neutral. So, in order to go into drive, you have to do something. We need to be put into drive. That's right.
1: Oh, that's so interesting, and actually makes.
0: So much sense. I know. So when women understand this and they come to see me thinking they have a problem, I'm like, okay, couple things I need to know. Hey, are you interested? Do you have an interest? Yes. When you have sex, is it great? Is it enjoyable? Do you love it? Yes. I said, you don't have a problem. You just have a perception problem. Like it's right. a, it's an issue of not looking at it in the way that we're supposed mm. to look at it for women
1: you know what's proof of this for me is like whether i'm, in, I'm doing a porn scene or having sex in my personal life or whatever I, whenever um if the scene or the sex sexual encounter starts with a blowjob generally the blowjob is kind of like meh yes right <laughs> but if the Blowjob part comes after I've already had a little bit of sex. I'm giving
0: like the most, the best, right? The best yes, blow job exactly. ever because I'm so
1: into it. That's
0: right. Because you're aroused. So right. you, you being aroused is giving you the desire right. to get into it. Because I've been stimulated by the it, sex already. Exactly. You've already been like your clitoris is like, you're, right. you're your blood is flowing already. Yeah. yeah. Your blood is flowing. That's so interesting.
1: I've never heard mm-hmm. that before. Why don't. Why doesn't I, everybody know this? We need to know this. I'm serious.
0: It's- <laughs> well, that's why I did a TEDx talk on that. Yeah. I, did that I mean, on it's the half subject. the population. Yes. Like we- yes. <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. I Listen, I wish everybody knew it. And part of why I do what I do is to educate the public. Like, yeah. Why do I do radio every night? And why do I do television? And why do I write articles? And why do I run You know, the Sexual Wellness Center mm-hmm. on Pornhub? It, it's all for that is to educate the public on the real deal here, you know? Did you grow up in a very sexually positive household? No. Very sexually... Repressive. uh, Kind of repressive household. Is that why you do this? Probably. I was a rebel. (laughs) I was a rebel. I can tell you that I was a rebel for a long time.
1: It's really important. Like, I, I do think... We don't talk about sex nearly enough, and then when we do talk about sex, we're definitely ta- not
0: talking about we- women's sexuality, right? right? Or pleasure. Like right. we, all you hear is don't get pregnant, don't mm-hmm. do this, don't get this, don't, 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 right? And and be careful, and don't drink, and don't. so you get all the don'ts, but you don't talk about the. Pleasure, and I, so when I, I have two daughters, so imagine when they were growing up, I decided, man, this is, I'm not doing this, like what what was done to me. I wanted to talk about pleasure. I made sure that when, uh, and I would tell them, when you're sexual and you become sexual, you make sure you're getting your maximum pleasure. And if you're not getting pleasure, we could talk about it because you could be doing something different, you know? Yeah. So, and oh, yeah. I appreciate
1: that so much because I grew up also in a very sexually repressive household. Love my parents, but you know, just not sexually <laughs> open people or even sexually positive, and yeah, like I grew up with so much shame around my sexuality, and it took me a lot of years to learn that like sex can be something for me. It's not right. something I'm giving a man, it, right?
0: Interestingly enough, like I may have I grew up not in so much repressive mm-hmm. or that sex a sex negative, just where it wasn't really talked about. Mm-hmm. So my parents knew I was sexual mm-hmm. at a young age because they found my birth control pills mm-hmm. uh well not a young young age but an average age mm-hmm. and um so they just kind of ignored it <laughs> they just yeah. they just kind of ignored it yeah. like they but it's not like my boyfriend was allowed to like come on vacation with us and things like that and they just right. maybe they were just naive in, uh-huh. in many ways or maybe but, they didn't were in denial or they just didn't want to know but yeah. but they were they never like It wasn't a negative thing. It it wasn't a negative thing. So I had a, from my early, my own early sexual experiences were all positive. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was, I I was the master of my sexuality from day one. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt. I never felt I had to do it for somebody else.
1: And did you want to be a a sex therapist specifically or were you like looking to, to, get into the therapy field and then chose sex. No, I
0: think I I think I chose sex therapy first and then found my way there because I, I actually went through various routes to be mm-hmm. a therapist. I was a social worker first, then I went into clinical okay. psychology after. So, but sex therapy was always on, on the radar for me right. and I think, you know, I I thank Dr. Ruth for that. She mm-hmm. was uh, my Inspiration. I had a chance to spend a whole day with her a couple of months back, so I was Very really cool. excited. She was in Montreal. It was amazing. Yeah, I was on a panel with her. It was like a dream come oh true. My God. Yeah, it's like ah. Oh. Uh, so, so I think yeah, it was just something that I've always kind of been interested in, and not I've always been. Uh, it's always been easy for me to talk about taboo subjects, mm-hmm. and maybe because of the rebel in me, maybe mm-hmm. because I I'll push the envelope a lot. You know, I was the kid who, like, if my parents, if I ever heard any, even remotely, like, if I thought they were racist remotely, I would bring home a black friend. (laughs) If I thought they were remotely homophobic, here's my gay friend, you know? (laughs) Like, that was me in your face. Right. So, I think because of that... It was just easy, and my friends would come to me. They would say, you know, Lori, like, help me out here. How do I give a blowjob? And I was like, well, it's not that I'm an expert, but I'll find out for you, you know? So I would go get, like, all the materials, and I would, like, I'd, like, hold tutorials for my friends, you know? I do always
1: <laughs> wonder about myself as well. Like, if if sex weren't so taboo, would porn even be that appealing to me? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. Like, I love if something is, like, considered unconventional or taboo, I'm just that much more drawn to it. Yeah, You know, like when something's too conventional, I'm like, eh,
0: boring, right? Yeah, sometimes, it's a personality <laughs> thing too. It's like, I don't know, I, I, you know, I, I don't mind talking about mm-hmm. things in an open way with, with, with just no, you know, no blushing, no yeah. no discomfort or anything. So, and I, I, I don't know, it's, almost, it's always been a part of who I who I am, I guess, because I was doing this was in high school, talking to kids, like talking to my friends. And, right. And stuff. So it's just. So no a one's surprised. Me. Me. No, like- nobody's surprised. <laughs> not not a one. <laughs> you can bet on that.
1: So you mentioned the Sexual Wellness Center. That's mm-hmm. the Pornhub Sexual Wellness Center. Um,
0: can we talk about that of a little course. bit? We'd so you run to. it. Yeah, it's your thing. It's, uh, it's my thing, and with, with, their, with obviously collaboration with PornHub, but we came up with the project together. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, I, I run it. And, and it's a great initiative because when we created it, it was for PornHub users. So this wasn't to draw people in or anything from the outside. It was really for people who are already on Pornhub. The
1: pre-existing. The
0: pre-existing clients already of Pornhub, right? The consumers. Mm-hmm. And it was just a space where they could get information, questions answered. Because people do turn to pornography in many parts of the world to get Answers, right? For to, sure. th- to get ed- educated on, and it's not the best form of education. Right. Let's be real. So I wanted to, we wanted to be able to provide a, a space that would have good quality science based information, and we have all kinds of contributors from all parts of the world that are all experts in sexuality in, in one way or another, mm-hmm. um, and we touch on. Everything. Like, there is no subject that we do not address on that mm-hmm. side. Plus, I answer questions. Coming up, we're going to be doing um, educational videos as well. Mm-hmm. So sometimes Like really, sex
1: videos? Like, or-
0: yeah, like how to put on a condom appropriately. That's um, so great. Things because, like that. Because, you know, I used to actually-
1: My, my answer on regarding, like, sex- education and porn has really changed over the years you know a few years ago when people would talk about sex ed and porn i was really adamant about how you know porn is entertainment that's right Um, we shouldn't confuse porn for sex ed and while i definitely still you know stand by that We can't deny that people do turn to porn for sex ed.
0: No question about it.
1: Because. Why? Because there's nothing else available. There's (laughs) like a kid learning about their body, about why am I horny, all this. There's nowhere to go but Pornhub or right. you know a,
0: yeah well what do they do they porn. Google I'm horny yeah well what comes up videos you Google you know? sex it's like <laughs> you know impossible that's to, right you're not gonna
1: come uh, come across like some you know educational site you're one hundred percent right
0: yeah <laughs> exactly um,
1: so yeah I think it is really really important and and the other thing is I think we can't deny that children do you know, come across porn. Like, that's just a reality. Mm -hmm. So I think it is, it's only fair to give them something else to look at, right? That's actually educational.
0: Because right now, there's no, there's no option, really. Well, really, the only option is, I I encourage parents, please talk to your children, Mm -hmm. and make them porn literate, too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we make the media literate. Mm -hmm. In other words, we, we teach them about the the dangers and whatever of social media, what about making them porn literate? Meaning what you're explaining to them, what you're seeing and what you, the the images you are getting is fantasy is, you know, it's, it's, it's entertainment. It's adult entertainment. It's not think, where you're going to get your information. From.
1: I don't think that's as hard as people think it's going to be. I mean, like we, we grow up inherently understanding that, you know, a war movie isn't like we're, we're not yeah. out shooting people we're not out driving like it's fast, fast and, and the furious, furious. That's, you know that's the
0: that's the example i always give it's like but if you've never been exposed to cars in your life and you've never mm-hmm. seen a car being driven and you've never been in a car mm-hmm. and and all you ever get to see is the fast and the furious right. movies you're gonna think that's driving <laughs> of course <laughs> of, of course that's only logical <laughs> right
1: do you think sex ed is something that should be happening i mean the reality right now is it's pretty much happening on the internet
0: but like do you think in a perfect world would it be happening in school yeah, would it be in happening a at home world, yes you know in in the province i live in in quebec it is mandatory so mm-hmm. it's compulsory sex education here mm-hmm. comprehensive so it's we're not talking about abstinence only education but I think
1: in the states we can opt in or out you I can think. opt and in or even out even then I don't think it's great in some
0: states it's still abstinence yeah. only and money is still funneling there even though all the studies show it doesn't work mm-hmm. and in fact in the states that have abstinence only education you have the highest rates of pregnancy unplanned pregnancy the highest rates of STIs kids are still having sex whether you tell them not to or, or and you not know. only does it not work i just i
1: think it's so it cannot be healthy to teach us that something
0: that's so natural about us is disgusting right and should be held off on right and and but listen to this so we're teaching kids it's bad it's bad it's bad it's bad then they get married and how does it go from being bad to great right in an overnight on their wedding night it's supposed to be great now. How? Oh my god! I would never want to marry a virgin. No, thank you. But, uh, or, or <laughs> never mind the virgin. That's fine. The virgin that comes from the background of sex is is bad. Yeah, right. That's a different thing. If if you're like, if that if being a virgin is your choice, no sex before marriage. But you're thinking positively about sex throughout right. this process. That's fine. But how do you go from? Negative, 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 and then suddenly, just because you have a ring on your finger, suddenly it's supposed to be good? How is it supposed to be good? Yeah. I mean, I... I so, can't even imagine a guy growing up
1: like that could get it up that first night.
0: I can tell you one thing. I see a lot of people from religious communities. Mm-hmm. So religious communities that do not have sex before marriage and where they don't even talk about sex. Okay. They come into my office. Sometimes they have no clue what they're doing. Like, no clue. One couple came in. It's like, where do I put it? Like, wow. it was that bad. Yeah. So, and they're supposed to suddenly now have great sex? How? Like, if they don't have any background, no information, no discussion, they're just supposed to stick it in and miracles shall happen? Right. That's not good sex. Like, you have to learn what good sex is all about. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's insane. Yeah.
0: But lucky for them, like... That's kind of
1: almost um, really forward thinking of them, relatively to even go to you, right? Yeah, like
0: yeah, good you're for right, them. You're right. Well, yeah, <laughs> in Montreal it's a little easier because I'm on the airwaves here a lot, mm-hmm. like every night, so people know mm-hmm. that. Oh, maybe I should go speak to her. You know, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you think that's a big cause of erectile dysfunction? Just growing up with sh- like overall shame, or well,
0: shame is has a lot to do with. M- yeah, it could be anxiety around around sex. I mean, shame brings all kinds of things to the table. Unfortunately, yeah. what
1: what is erectile dysfunction like? What is it? All in the head? Is it for a some physical people? Thing?
0: So, it- well, if for an older gentleman who who's never experienced it and suddenly is having trouble. Exp- you know, having a good erection enough for penetration, you you would chalk it up to age. So there are age related changes that like happen. Low in men, testosterone, okay? type yeah, thing. low testosterone. But just it's actually about about flow, blood flow. Okay. So you know your blood flow, your blood doesn't flow as well when you're sixty than when you're thirty, right? right? I guess. Like- okay. So it's just like, like it could be a natural thing like that, but I happen to see now a lot more younger men mm-hmm. so let's say 25 to 35 year old men with erectile dysfunction there's no way that's physical like hardly mm-hmm. ever is due to a physical cause so when it's when that happens then I check in and see what are they anxious about because anxiety can kill an erection mm-hmm. so these these thoughts that come into your head like will I get it up will I will I please her will she think I'm you know am I am I too small what is she gonna think about me yeah Mhm. Um, how will my performance be? How will I be rated? All these things create anxiety in the brain and when the when you get anxious, the blood flows away from your penis and into your vital organs to help you fight off the anxiety. Mm-hmm. So like it's a, it's a it's a state of danger that you are in. And I feel like it's in. almost
1: a not a vicious cycle but it feeds itself it like does. even on a porn set like the second like you can almost see it in like a, a male talent's face, like oh, when yeah? they start to lose a boner a little, and then it's just all downhill because it's like you know so now many they're people obsessed are with it. Exactly, yeah, they're obsessed with it. and Now they're totally in their head. They're not feeling any kind of pleasure at all. You know, the,
0: now he's like, I'm wasting people's time. Right. See, that's the, a very good example. You know? An actual. Um, Performer, because it comes from mm-hmm. what is it? It's performance anxiety. We're mm-hmm. talking about right. So the performance is—it's you looking at this as a performance. When a, a like a porn star does it, he's actually performing literally. for the camera, literally. <laughs> and and so it's putting yourself in the situation where everybody's watching you, everybody's judging you. Every you have to you have to be you have to perform. So it comes from that sense so of I have the to perform. Well. The solution is looking at where that anxiety comes from. It's establishing good communication with a partner, first of all. Some men have a, a hard time if they're just being casual with someone because they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like they can open up and and feel they feel they may be judged or whatever. So in a in a relationship where they feel connected to somebody, then they can start to develop more of an intimacy and more of a vulnerability. And so the anxiety can go down. True, because sex isn't always
1: happening with necessarily an intimate partner, right? That's right. Sometimes it's happening with
0: a stranger. That's right. Sometimes with a stranger, it's even, sometimes it's the reverse. It's easier with a stranger, Mm. and it's much harder with someone you really care about Mm -hmm. because there you have something to lose. Right. So there, it really matters. With a stranger, you don't get it up. Oh well, you know, yeah. next one. And then, but with somebody that you really care about, you start to really worry that. that makes sense, I hope too. that they. Yeah, I hope they like me. I hope I perform well. I hope I give her what she wants. I hope. I hope. I hope. So and how do so they get stuff, over that anxiety? Because I get well, asked that a lot. Yeah, I think. Well, talking it talking it through is important. Uh, being able to communicate your anxiety to your partner actually. Mm-hmm. So, you need, but to be able to do that, you need to develop a certain level of intimacy. Mm -hmm. If you just met your partner and you're having sex that night, it's not the time to start talking necessarily (sighs) about your anxiety. Like, you want to maybe take more of your time in developing a relationship with somebody. If you know you're the anxious type, Take time to develop a relationship. Start to feel comfortable that you're able to actually vocalize and say, you know, sometimes I do get nervous at the beginning and I, you know, I have like this thing in my head that these crazy thoughts that come to my head. So, you know, it might take me a few tries. Mm -hmm. And, And usually the partners are really understanding when they understand that it's them. Because if you don't say anything, what happens is the girl... Or whoever the partner is will say, "Is it me? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not attracted to me. Maybe I'm too fat. Maybe I'm too this. Maybe I'm too that." This is something you know? I hear from my girlfriends a lot. Like,
1: so I hear about erectile dysfunction a lot as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is like a recent thing or what, but you know, a, a lot. I have a lot of girlfriends who are single. They're on you know dating sites like right. Bumble and Tinder, and this is kind of a common occurrence where on their first few hookups. The guy cannot get it hard or he will and then he'll lose his erection. I hear about this kind of a lot and they're, you know, they're not in porn and they're they they do go to the place of, oh, my God, is it me? Am I just like a total boner killer? It's not. Me coming from the background of porn, you know, I've been lucky enough to learn like it's never about us. It's It's never about you. Exactly. Whatever's just going on in his head at that time, you know, whatever he's going through or maybe he's just like that, like whatever. But um, so I think it is really important for women to know that, and yeah,
0: it's not about them. Sometimes it's like the fear of the guy, the fear of screwing it up. Mm-hmm. It's like that will kill it. It's like, oh my god, this what a great girl. I'm like, oh, what if I don't get it up? What is she going to think of me? Right, and then boom, he doesn't get it up, and then he won't call her again because he's embarrassed. Right. But and reversely, exactly like exactly mm-hmm. what you just
1: said. Reversely, like I want the guys to know too that this is happening a lot. Like it's yeah. not.
0: This is very common. Like, I have to say. Very common, and it probably happens to every guy at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a dysfunction. Like We have to remember, it's not a rectile dysfunction unless you're, you you persistently can't get an erection or mm-hmm. maintain an erection. So the fact that you can't get it up once in a blue moon is perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can be nervous first time with a partner, perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. These are normal things for that all guys experience. They may not talk about it, but they certainly experience them.
1: And then something else that I hear a lot, and, and I hear this, and I don't know if it's a real statistic, but I hear about it a lot, is that is porn related to erectile dysfunction? Is is the fact that people are watching more porn now and the fact that porn is so accessible and a lot of young men are you know, masturbating only using porn, does that actually contribute
0: to erectile dysfunction? I don't want to put a causal thing because... If porn caused this, then that means that there would be a 100 million users a day with, you know, erectile dysfunction. Right. Like, I'm sorry, but it just doesn't happen, right. right? The most people do not have a problem with right. with watching porn, but there are there is a portion of the population that spend a lot of time with masturbation mm-hmm. and when it comes to having partnered sex, it's more difficult for them. And part of it is because of the stimulation, the kind of stimulation, they cannot reproduce that in a bedroom. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when, when you're watching porn, there's a lot going on. There's there's a lot of fantastical things, things you wouldn't necessarily do, and or multiple people or tons of body parts. And in a bedroom with one partner they're not getting that visual stimulus anymore, mm-hmm. right? So it's not, it may have an impact on their ability to get fully aroused. Mm-hmm. So you're saying like it happens, but it's not necessarily the norm? It's not across the board. No, okay. it's not the norm. It's for those who really, I, first of all, it's, you could recover from that. Simply stop using porn for a while. Stop <laughs> masturbating for a while. Get used to your partner. Uh, and, and getting aroused using your partner's body not just your hand mm-hmm. and things you know will change it's mm-hmm. like it, it, your body it's like a habit that's formed right it takes a while and that's to an interesting un- way to put it a habit I mean
1: even I think about like when I first started having sex it would be really hard for me to orgasm from sex because I was so used to masturbating not with porn necessarily right just with my hand yes and I don't know. Like I would have to be in a certain position, and mm-hmm. then, and then after having sex for a while, I got used to
0: coming in other ways. That's and right. So there you go. I broke and the and habit. That's right. Is. You kind of well, you get. It's not. It's yes, and you got used to other ways, other forms of stimulation in order to to get there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's what's important, and you know, part of the problem also is expectation. So if you're a 14 year old boy and you've been watching porn because you know around 14 you start masturbating a lot and you're spending a lot of time on porn and you don't have sex until you're 18 that's four years of a lot of masturbation to porn and then definitely enough time to create a habit okay that's that's (laughs) a one the habit but two without having this uh the education part and Mm -hmm. all of that what are the expectations? Mm-hmm. If you watch a lot of porn, you expect, you know, you're going to be worried, am I big enough? Uh, am I going to last long enough? Am I, like, how come I don't last 20 minutes, half an hour? Most men last only three minutes. Why is everyone having anal? Why is every and why are these, why why is this girl that I'm having sex with not, like, into this? Right. Or Whatever. How come she's not responding like the women in porn? Like women in porn, unfortunately, like when when you see intercourse happening, women love it in Mm -hmm. in porn they do, but in real life, that's not how women orgasm. Mm -hmm. But. They don't know that because in porn they do. Mm-hmm. You know, it mm-hmm. makes it look mm-hmm. like they do anyway. And like squirting too, I think. Well, People not everybody does it. that right. too. So, But if they're watching that, they're wondering, how come I can't make my girl squirt? Mm-hmm. What am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And so there, there's all these questions about like, how come it's not working like it is in porn? But if you have the the education part that says, look, porn is fantasy. It's not exactly how it happens in in real life. Men mm-hmm. women do not respond in that way generally. Women mm-hmm. do not vocalize like they do in porn. Mm-hmm. All of that and and also the the male porn stars are there because they have endurance, because they have big penises. Mm-hmm. Like so, you know, if you I just ha- thought of a great that.
1: idea for the sexual wellness center. What?
0: You should follow
1: a porn star, a, a set of porn stars on a day that they're shooting porn from the moment they wake up until they oh, have sex that would be sex. fun <laughs> because i think it would be really interesting for viewers young people to see that so much happens behind the scenes oh yeah it's crazy i mean like when it comes to preparation or consent even like we have so many discussions before the camera starts rolling about what i like what you like um you know and these are conversations that aren't so easy to have in real life i've noticed right but But they
0: also don't appear in what's in what you the the final product right Mm -hmm. so People at all don't understand that there that you there has been a process of consent exactly but they don't know this and so when they go to to have sex, they're not thinking. I mean, this is the big – the critique on, on pornography has been, you know, no condom use, no consent issues. No, Well, sure, but that goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go on – they don't know that you've all been tested, and right. they don't know that you're on, you know, this, and they don't and know – And I've been prepping my asshole you know, for 24 hours. That's right. <laughs> right. Like so many things, right, <laughs> that you're absolutely right, that they have no clue about – But it gives, you know. Again, it's like not, not knowing what that you're what you're watching. You know, the Fast and the Furious. You see these car crashes; they're not actual cars, or they're Mm -hmm. not. You know, it's a green screen. What's the green screen? Or what? You know, (laughs) there's so many things, right? Right. That you have. We have to. This is why porn literacy is so important. Mm -hmm. So people understand that. Yeah, the consent happened beforehand. The contract was written Mm -hmm. beforehand. Mm -hmm. You know, this discussion happened, you know. I like
1: that term, porn literacy. I think that's a really important one. So switching gears here a little bit, I'm really curious. As a sex therapist, you must, I'm assuming you know, like, I don't know anything about what makes a person sexually inclined? Like, what... I've always wanted a wondered fetish or something? A like, fetish or okay, like for example, I'll will start by asking are people born inherently like dominant or submissive?
0: I don't think it's um or is it a learned behavior? That's a very good question because I've talked to some people who have always felt that way, like who feel that it's an inherent part of who they are, but that doesn't mean that it it wasn't something it wasn't due to experiences they've had. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's hard to tease out because mm-hmm. people, some people who are into BDSM, for example, feel like it's such an integral part of who they are that it's like a sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. So if it's always been there, they assume it's somehow genetic, but but there are other influences in our lives, right? right. Yeah. Well, so I guess the answer would be both exist. Yeah. But... Uh,
1: what you just said about it being a sexual orientation is really interesting to me because I've always wondered, like, are fetishes kind of sexual orientation? Kind of.
0: I, I mean, in a way, in a way, but fetishes, we have to understand the, the modern use of the or the, the, the daily use of the word fetish, like in our day to day, you know, mm-hmm. It's not what it used to be. When I used to hear the word fetish in my original training, it was we were calling them uh, perversions or uh, uh, paraphilias or whatever. It was more of an extreme thing. Today, we really, what oftentimes we mean, are preferences okay not necessarily fetishes so a fe- so before was a fetish more like a necessity and exactly so a fetish is more of a necessity when you cannot have sex without that object okay in your presence or what have you but for most people yes they have they have they say they have a leather fetish you know sure they love their partner to wear leather and it, it's it's right. sex is hot and it's great and blah 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 but it's not a necessity for them to have it right so it's really a preference more than. I guess a what I'm more in interested ways. in
1: is the. I guess the newer def- Or okay,
0: I guess what I'm really, really getting
1: at is, like, let's say someone has a scat fetish. Okay. Where does that come from? How the- old
0: are they? Why does that happen? Is it bad? Like, it's what? it's a very good question. First of all, it's a scat fetish isn't the best because it's dangerously, there's, you know, toxicity. Right. It's like you like know, there's actual repercussions. Biohazards, yeah. you know, it's biohazardous material. <laughs> Coli. You know, yeah, right. so in that respect. But if we take urophilia, for example. So What's urophilia? Urophilia is like a urine fetish. Golden showers. Okay. okay? So what does it mean? Like, it, for each person it might mean something else, but it's, it's often a, um, a thing of humiliation, a domination, a Uh, submission kind of thing. It falls within that kind of that that realm. Why Uh, did it happen? The why is really hard to understand because... So many fetishes we just don't know. We just we know that things are paired together. Like there's many different theories. Mm-hmm. One theory is a paired theory. In other words, for example, I'll give you a, a perfect example. Someone who has a fetish of women's clothing or women's undergarments, for example. So uh, I had a, a client who had vivid memories when he was a little boy of um, being hugged by his mother, like between her legs, you know, just like a whatever. And he used to love feeling her nylon. Stock, her nylon legs, right? And then she died when he was like seven years old. And he, when she died, he went into her drawer and took out the nylon stockings and he used that to soothe himself to bed. Oh, I'm going to cry. Right? And then when he was about 12, he still had the nylon stocking. Mm-hmm. He ended up you know, with an erection and he, the nylon stocking was part of his comfort and his sex... So now it became paired with his erections, And his arousal. So this is how the pairing happened for that person.
1: I have a pairing. (laughs) Can I tell you Yeah, sure.
0: (laughs) It's just a theory.
1: Okay. This is not like, it's not set in stone or anything. My father's a photographer. Okay. I'll just tell it really quick. Uh, My father's a photographer and when I was little, he used to take so many pictures of me and this is back before digital right so like it, it was kind of a bigger deal to oh be yeah taking Much so many pictures deal, right. you know it wasn't as like easy as pulling out mm-hmm. your phone um and so I think that it's somewhere in my mind like even becoming going through puberty becoming a teenager I think I somehow associated being filmed with being loved and being intimate and I think for me the pairing is being photographed
0: the exhibitionism. And then
1: exhibitionism. I love being on a porn set. I love the more cameras on me, like the more I can have like That's an amazing a, scene. There's
0: the pairing. You got so you, it. So you
1: agree? Yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah. So oftentimes we dig, we, we if we dig deep like into our mm-hmm. history, we can see, okay, why, why is that? You know, why, um, what's the attraction for me? Why does it make me feel good? It was obviously a positive experience for you mm-hmm. as well. So... What about like a foot fetish like what? so I'll give you a couple of examples of a foot fetishist like from um, a little boy who his parents used to entertain a lot and he used to love when his parents had friends but his parents used to, the friends used to leave their shoes at the door so he had a lot of stocking feet around him and he would crawl in between uh-huh. and play and so he was always at their feet okay never like you know he was always playing on the floor at their feet and then he just it was all feet that was something that just locked on locked, locked onto feet exactly and then eventually it was like oh look at that woman's pretty feet and then eventually it became part of so the... it's
1: not really it doesn't really even have to be that significant I no guess.
0: no it doesn't have to be traumatic it doesn't have to be all that significant sometimes we don't know why we don't know if it was a pairing we don't know if it's something inherent we don't know if it's like for example if you have somebody who um loves to be uh, dominated right mm-hmm. that is often someone who in real life is um, is in control a lot, has a lot of uh, responsibilities and whatever and lo- and just needs a space where they could just let it all go and I find and the reverse told. to be true as well yes. a lot of
1: times when someone is submissive they're actually someone who a lot of demanded a as- it, it, a lot is demanded of them in their you know non-sex life right and especially
0: for the sub- yeah the submissive yeah. that's what i'm talking about actually did i say dominant the submissives yeah if they're interested in being dominated the submissive loves to be able to just let go if they're especially if they have a dominant personality
1: right know? hmm uh, okay so i used to be a dominatrix mm-hmm. i wasn't very good at it i wasn't <laughs> I, I also wasn't in like i wasn't like as Sexually educated or any of that. I was I was nineteen years old. I I had no business being there, but I had this one client who was. Um, he he brought in his own dental kit and he bought a dental dentist's chair for the dungeon Mm. that I worked at because he was so into this fetish or preference or whatever. mm -hmm. I think it was probably a fetish for him. Um, but he would come in and he would have us act like the dentist Mm -hmm. and we would wiggle his um teeth and. And for an hour and a half, I would just keep saying, oh, I'm sorry. I don't think it's ready to – or or, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I would have to say, I'm sorry. I I think we're going to have to pull it out. I'm really sorry. We've done everything we can. We're just going to have to pull it out about his tooth Mm -hmm. while he masturbated.
0: Like, what is that about? Okay. Well, I'm wondering. This is like when he was a kid in a dentist, maybe – the dentist was a female or the uh, hygienist was a female and she'd be leaning over Mm -hmm. and the breasts were there Mm -hmm. and who knows, like it could be something as simple as that, that created this, this fantasy in his uh, early, early fantasies. It could be
1: that simple. It's it's almost disappointingly simple. You know what I mean? Like I almost need something to be a little bit more complex. Also, as you know, I have a son now. Like <laughs> I you're wondering every now. The right? thing I do, I'm going to be like, oh my god, is this going to be his fetish? Is he going to have like a? Is he going to be into furries? Because I'm buying him too many stuffed animals. Nah. <laughs> I mean, you know. if he
0: starts masturbating with his furries, you never know. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah, I mean. Oh, yeah i guess <laughs> but they're not okay but having said all that mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with having a fetish mm-hmm. if it controls your life yes mm-hmm. if, it's or if just it hurts part, people I or guess. if it hurts people or if it's illegal if your fetish is you know obviously uh, exhibitionism and you're doing it to surprise other, like to non-consenting it's a problem it's illegal mm-hmm. if you're a voyeur and you're doing it illegally of course it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then you would need help for that.
1: But that's almost like more than a fetish that's almost like bordering pr- I mean I'm not a doctor I shouldn't even be loosely saying things like this but I would imagine it's more something like psychopathy, right? Like wanting to hurt someone. Well, it's or... not it's
0: not really that they want to hurt somebody. Oh, they okay. get it's it's about like even the flashers they just they get off on people's like <gasps> They're not trying to hurt anybody. Yeah. They it's it's just about them getting off. What about um like once you get into the bad stuff, like yeah. like actually, da- you know, wanting to, like the sadistic stuff, yeah. that's something completely different. Yes, you're talking about psychopathy for sure. But we're just talking about run of the mill now. Right, right, just right. People's variation in sexuality, their goal is not to hurt anybody. Right, right. right. It's just getting off. It's just, it's getting off. Exactly. And if it doesn't hurt anybody and it doesn't interfere with your life and you find a partner who's okay with your whatever fetish it is that you have then then you don't have an issue like it's mm-hmm. not a doesn't have to be problematic
1: hmm. so i have these listener questions okay um just a few of them cuz we're running out of time but i i want to start off with my personal question first. okay <laughs> okay listener <laughs> <laughs> um my question is sometimes after <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting all bashful all of a sudden after talking about like everything, but um, sometimes after I orgasm, I get like a a wave
0: of depression for like 30 seconds. Oh, totally normal. I get it that is. question. Yeah, I get that question a lot. You from do? Wo- yeah, from women who cry right after. Sometimes, sometimes I cry. Yeah. So some women cry, some women laugh. So it's think of it as opening a floodgate. It's like you're at your most after an orgasm. You're at your most vulnerable. Your body is completely opened mm-hmm. and so whatever emotion comes up it could be any emo- like it just floods out it's just you're you're at your most vulnerable so it's but, just an emo it's just an emotional state you're not actually sad you're not actually
1: oh. but what does it mean about me that like mine isn't laughter and it's it's depression. It doesn't, it's not depression. Don't don't. You're okay. using
0: a clinical <laughs> word that's scary. Well, uh, it feels.
1: I guess the you, reason I use depression is because it feels like I'm sad and I can't help
0: it, and it, I can't pinpoint it to a. It's it's an reason. Think of it at because it's not. Is it really just because you're tearing or crying doesn't mean you're sad. Okay. It's just you're in an emotional state. You're in emotional vulnerability, so it's just coming out. In that way, in, in those tears. Right. You're not crying about anything. There's nothing, you know, it's that, it's it's a, your body's, re- think of it as release, a complete release. You know when you hold back a cry? Yeah. You get a lump in your throat? When you let it out, yeah. it feels really good? That's like the orgasm.
1: Interesting. So, so it means nothing. It means nothing. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> these answers,
0: man. means nothing. <laughs> like, nothing you should worry about anyway. I want that's them for to sure. Be complicated, but they're no. just. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because oftentimes, like sex, is is actually in many ways m- far more simple than than we tend to think of it in our in our brains. Okay. So, like, we just had a few, com- you know, a few topics that we talked about where I can s- you can bring it down to its level Mm -hmm. like you know to it's the basics and it's it makes so much more it makes sense right Mm -hmm. we we tend to complicate things i think a lot i guess it's that thing of like what is it like the the most simple answer is usually the right one or whatever and sometimes that's exactly what it is i'm not saying that in some cases sex can be very complex obviously but many times like i'll see people one time and then we have this conversation it's like Oh, that's yeah. all.
1: Okay. I'm fine. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I'm not so <laughs>
0: screwed up. <laughs>
1: um, another, uh, so all the, all the listener questions, actually the ones I'm choosing were asked multiple times. Okay. Um, and this is probably the number one question uh, from men. How do I last longer <laughs> in bed? I, I knew
0: you were going <laughs> to say it. that. I knew
1: it. I mean, I'm sure we get the same uh, questions, right? Let I get
0: that question every single night. <laughs> on my show, okay? Every single night I'm answering that question. I'm so Sick I have of like answering I sh- I wish I had a recording so I could just put okay, here it goes. Oh man, first of all, people have to men have to understand that I don't know what they mean when they say last longer, okay? Because let's look at the reality first. How long do you need to last and how long does she need you to last? Mm-hmm. Okay? So The majority of men will last between two and five minutes of intercourse, of thrusting. That's your average. But then I get guys saying, I want to last an hour. I want to last 20 minutes. Well, no. Like, get to your, you (laughs) know. The answer is no. (laughs) The answer is no. Yeah. I'm a great therapist. (laughs) Stop. Dr. Laurie says no. No. (laughs) (laughs) what, What I try to get at is... Why do they need it to last that long? Then I find out how much how much foreplay are you engaging in? So if they're engaging in 20 minutes of foreplay and their partner is good and ready and she's had an orgasm, you've given her good oral sex and all of that, she does not want you to last an hour no, hell having intercourse, no. okay? Exactly. Hell no. And that's I what I hear from this. women. Exactly.
1: We don't want to fuck for an hour. I love
0: fucking, and I don't want to fuck for an hour. No, exactly. <laughs> and most women will tell you that. So guys need to hear it. They mm-hmm. need to hear that. That Who are they doing this for exactly? Because mm-hmm. the women are not so complaining. <laughs> Okay, I don't hear the women complaining, but they have somehow think, and sometimes I think porn is responsible for Mm -hmm. that because they, you know, they get to see that. So, um, so okay. Having said that, there are men who do experience premature ejaculation. Mm -hmm. It is one of the most common uh, definitely had an ex-boyfriend who did. Yeah, Yeah. so they'll come like under a minute, Mm -hmm. for example, or within ten thrusts of intercourse. So here is a the first protocol we do is like a training thing. Like you train the penis. It's the same, like talking about habit. Yeah, it's. It's known, yeah, you can call it edging, but it, we call it the stop and start technique. So, they have to learn though how to get to the point of no return. But the first thing, what do you think guys do when they're they come too fast? What's their first instinct? It's to distract themselves, right? They're okay. like, I got, "I got to think about my grandmother. I got okay. to think about baseball, you know." Tying my shoes. Yeah, it's the wrong more. approach. Oh. It's actually it actually works against them when they do that. You have to focus on what you're feeling. You have to focus on what your penis is feeling at every step of the way so you can stop it before it gets to that <gasps> point when they it's like, that you know, the point of like, oops, like it's happened. So you have to get to learn that point of no return. And that would happen via masturbation? Yes, you start with masturbation, yes. So you would start with masturbation with a dry hand, for example. Then you move on to masturbation with lube. Then you would get your partner to masturbate you, dry hand, lube hand. So increasingly- then with oral sex, increasing the level of stimulation. Exactly, and and every time stopping, starting, stopping, starting, stopping, starting. Every time you get to that point of no return, stop. You know, you you stop the uh, the stimulation. Literally, right? you stop. Literally, just stop. Take okay. a few deep Let breaths. Go. Let go, take a few deep breaths, start up again. Take okay. a few deep breaths, start up again. If, you're, if you've gotten to the point of intravaginal, then you just stop thrusting. Then you resume, stop, resume. So you have so to have a willing the partner. You're training, the pe- you're training your penis, like you, you really are. A lot of men have been trained to come fast. They, you know, they're like jerking off fast in the bathroom because like mom's going to oh. use the bathroom or we better have sex quickly because we're in the car or, or mom, parents are coming home soon or like they yeah, end yeah, up yeah, learning yeah. how to come fast. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So a lot of men, it's a learned thing. Oh. So- there are there are some studies that have shown that for some men, it could be a neurological thing as well. So for those men, if none of these exercises work, but most of them do work, but there's a small portion of men, then they can take a medication. They can take actually a low-dose antidepressant, which will induce the side effect of uh, delaying the ejaculation.
1: Oh, that was another question that came up a few times. Is uh, sexual appetite on... are they
0: ssris Uh, ssris yes so ssris or antidepressants do affect libido arousal and orgasm is there any way around that or not because it's a you have to check with your doctor to be able to find the right one for you because it's not a one size fits all so Mm -hmm. some of them have some effect on one area some not they can add another medication to it to reduce the side effects so there's many things that, that can be done Okay. Uh, one w- question that we got a lot from women uh, a lot of women are not
1: coming from penetration. Is that something that can be learned? No. Or? It's again, no. <laughs> That's my answer. No.
0: Uh, 75% of women do not, or more, 80% of women do not, cannot orgasm through penetration alone. 80%? 80%. Yeah. So if you're uh, in the 20%, you're lucky, right? Um, but 80% cannot. They need absolutely need that clitoral stimulation. So that's a physical thing. That's a physical thing.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like being like I can't come from you touching my elbow. That's right. Exactly.
0: It's a physical thing. Interesting. So you could increase your um, the odds of it, I suppose, if you find positions that create more clitoral contact. Mm-hmm. So if you if grinding into your partner's pubic area, for example helps then you do that like you find the position exactly another trick is you could take um like a nerf ball like a like a nerf tennis ball or something and put it between the two genitals like Uh and then that provides extra pressure You can grind Uh, into that so it can can be a little easier to grind. Um, So the grinding, whatever position you're in or find a position where you can stimulate your clitoris at the same time, Mm -hmm. whether it's with your partner, whether it's your hand or whether you use a a small vibrator. Yeah, exactly. So like women have to get get off this thing thinking that they have to come with intercourse that's the thing because it's not.
1: Yeah, I'm getting the sense that a lot of these women feel like it's their responsibility or something. No,
0: it's not and it's not, there's nothing wrong with them. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with this. So many women come to me and say that. They're like, what's wrong with me? I can't come with intercourse. I said, do you come otherwise? There's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) They say, yeah, sure. I love this, this, and this. There's nothing wrong with you. You're working just fine.
1: Um, And the final question that was asked almost as much as how do I last longer is how much masturbation is is too, too much.
0: much. <laughs> oh, I get that question too. Oh my God. Have I the ever heard them well no. The answer is no. That's right. Oh my God. You're, you're so right. So I, you know, I'm not going to be the judge of somebody's level of, of libido. I don't know how much, you know, you want to masturbate three, four times a day. You're not hurting anybody. You're getting on with your job. It's not interfering in your life. You're not spending your whole, all your time doing that. Who are we to say what's what, right? right? If it interferes with your life, though, if you can't get through the day at work without going to the bathroom multiple times to masturbate at work, I'd say that's a problem. If your masturbation gets in the way of your relationship with your partner where you have nothing left for your partner because you've been masturbating, that's a problem. That's cause a problem. I guess it's, you know
1: what, that's, I, I think that, isn't that the pretty much like the um, definition of any addiction is like, it's an addiction if it impacts your life negatively?
0: Yeah, well, that's what you look for, right? Otherwise, it's just high sex drive. Right. What's the difference between those two things? Right. One is, you, okay, you've got a high sex drive, so... All right. Right. Take care of it. Yeah. The other part is if it interferes with your life. If you're, if all you're thinking about is the next time you're going to be able to get on porn or get to get your masturbation or whatever, then you're not actually leading a pr- – you're not being productive with the time you do have in your everyday life. You're actually thinking always ahead of when the next time is going to be. Then it starts to take over your life. Right. So that be- would become problematic.
1: Wow. Oh. Yeah. I, I've learned so much and I wish I could like talk to you for a million we'll more years we'll do it again yes please <laughs> like I learned so much in this one short hour That's and great. I'm so glad um, and if you want to learn more you can go to the Sexual Wellness Center on Pornhub um, or you can listen to you if you're in Canada and actually anywhere uh, these days oh, online, anywhere.
0: yeah. And my podcasts are all up on my uh, on my website, drlory.com so people can actually check out the uh, TEDx talks I did on sexuality. And if they uh, if they want to listen to past shows, or they can go on iHeartRadio and listen live every night at ten. Cool. And
1: I will tag Dr. Lori on all of my social media and point you in the right direction for all of those links as well. Yes. So, thank thank you. you so much for joining.
0: me. Me. My pleasure.